0: Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Rebecca Hessel Cohen, founder and creative director of the fashion turned lifestyle brand Love Shack Fancy. You've likely heard Love Shack Fancy's name come up in recent months, as the brand's been celebrating its 10th year in business in a big way. Along with opening new stores, it's collaborated with Gap and announced an expansion into the beauty category. I wanted to ask Rebecca what's fueling the recent movement and growth, and what she has planned for the brand's next 10 years in business. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank
1: you. So excited to be here.
0: So excited to have you. Such a fan of the brand. I have to know, I I mean, so much buzz. I'm seeing you in Architectural Digest. I'm seeing these launches left and right. Was this uh, like a big plan for, we're going to do it up 10 years, we're going to celebrate... Huge, or is this a coincidence? <laughs> it's,
1: it's, I mean, I'd like to say it was all perfectly planned out, and but it's not. Um, no, it happens to be a coincidence. I kept on saying, okay, well, we need to make sure that everyone knows it's our 10 year anniversary, and then everyone's like, okay, Rebecca, don't worry, trust me, they will. Um, but no, it was definitely, it just so happened. You know, Gap has been in the works for about two years, I think, and fragrance as well. Um, you know, we've been working on it as for a few years in addition. And so, you know, it was actually supposed to be a little bit before. It turned out it this was the timing for it. Um, Architectural digest, same, you know, Amy decided September style issue comes. Out. And then every single thing was like boom, 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 boom. So um I'm I think hopefully this week I can take a nice few breaths. Um But no, it's been really fun. Yeah. And then when we're just like gearing up into fashion week, and so that's going to be really exciting and the true launch of fragrance. So a a little time to like a minute to decompress.
0: (laughs) Yes. Can you share a little bit about your fashion week plans? This will come out ahead of time, but um, yeah, I know you usually have a great presence.
1: Yeah. So September 12, 6 p.m., we're doing um, a presentation for the new spring collection, and then we're also doing a party, and it's going to be an amazing party as we typically do. So that's going to launch, that's going to be our fragrance launch party. So it's going to be a little bit mix of fashion meets beauty, fragrance meets experiential, theater, dance, music. Like we have a lot of fun, really fun things that are going to be in the works. So we're doing that from like from six to nine.
0: Nice. Well, you've no doubt learned that Fashion Week is worth the investment, or you wouldn't be doing this. Tell me about why the importance of being a part of Fashion Week every season in your eyes. Well, I think
1: we actually just started. Um, you know, my I, my background is in magazines, so I was a fashion editor for a long time, and had to go, you know, and sit in all at all the shows. And so I have I have mixed feelings in terms of. Being, you know, needing to go to every single show back to back to back to back and being exhausted and then also coming back to it from a designer brand point of view. And when we started doing Fashion Week in New York City, it was um, last September. And it just felt really important to come back after the pandemic and just do something incredible for New York city, which is where I grew up. And I've lived my entire life where raising my daughters, my parents are there, my husband's family, you know, so we're really like true and true New Yorkers. Um, and just to really bring like a new energy and excitement to fashion week. And I feel like I was always, I mean, I grew up actually going with my mom who was at Seventeen Magazine. For a long time, I she would take me every year to the Betsy Johnson fashion show. And I always loved it because of like Betsy cartwheeling at the end and like the fun, high energy of the models and the music. And it was just like a really feel good, you know, it wasn't like serious fashion. It was just fun and playful and energetic. So to me, that's very much how I think of Love Shack Fancy as well. So I really wanted to kind of have that Um, presence at New York fashion week. And just uh, again, to like really bring in the community and um, like, you know, we have some fans, we have retailers, we have influencers, we have the fashion editor. We have really a whole, whole mix we have. um, So I like to have that, that combination there.
0: You answered my question. I was going to say as a former editor, do you still think it's important as important to have the editors? In? Yes, Good definitely. More.
1: Yes. Of course the editors, the ones that are you know, the one. it's so much smaller than when like back in the day. So it's a very tight group of editors, but yes, I think it's just really getting the perfect mix and that's what makes it fun and, you know, and unique and different. So I always like to give it a little bit of a, a unique Love Shot Fancy spin.
0: So oh my nice. gosh. May, do you think that this, we have this in common? Like my very first, just so you know, <laughs> yeah. my first fashion show ever back in the day was Betsy Johnson at Bryant Park. Oh anyway, my God, and I just so like, I, yeah. I was just saying, I still love it. Well, I was going to ask and I found out just ahead of time. Anyway, if all of the, the action also had to do with maybe some round of funding, but this is not, anyway, no. you, yeah. you don't lean on funding. No Tell funding. me about your, no funding. Yes. Um, What's your approach? You just, you eased in You own, owned by you and your yes. business partner husband, am I correct? Yes,
1: yes. He's like, I mean, he's a real estate developer now turned to my, definitely he's the one that helps oversee business closely with my president and, you know, expansion in terms of retail. That was really like when he came really, you know, clo- he started working closely with me during the pandemic again when, you know, I realized I had to, We. Sh- that's when the company shifted from, because we really used to be 70, per- we were 70% wholesale 30% direct to consumer. And I started the company, you know, when I first started 2013, it was selling to department stores and to small boutiques. So I had a full wholesale business, a tiny, tiny, tiny website business. Um, But it was really just wholesale partners. And we worked... um, We've worked with a company called Hilden, you know, who who works with fashion brands and they have been a partner for us. And and so then um, Todd really started getting much more involved when we started expanding into retail, finding the right spaces, um, you know, working with the other developers. And we also had a huge opportunity to take on leases that we never would have been able to afford before, you know, so we kind of had to jump on that. And so that's when he got super involved.
0: Amazing. Tell me Tilden. I don't know of Tilden. Oh, it's called Hilden. They're a like investment.
1: They, they, um, not investment. They, they work with brands. They work with so many fashion brands and they basically what you, you know, most people don't know is that you, until you're in it, is that you have to put up everything for, you know, production before and all of, you know all of the fabrics, everything that you're producing for the wholesaler. So if you're getting a huge order from a net Porte, a Shop or whatever it is, you're not getting the money first and then producing it, right? So Hilden works with you to they have approved partners. Like they won't work with a specific boutique, you know, who has isn't reliable, obviously. And so they work closely with you to build out that financial um but it's not it's not an investor or anything. It's basically so I don't know if you call it like a bank, but it's anyway, they work with so many fashion brands, reliable. Everyone is like, if you're, you know, they know who you can and cannot work with. So you don't get screwed over because there are times where you're just then trying to, you know, reach out to all these boutiques who aren't paying and you've put up all this money and then you have an order for $30,000 that they're not taking and you've already paid for it. And then what are you going to do with it? You know? So
0: yes, all that, that makes great sense. That's so smart. Yeah. Well, Started out the company. I, tell me if I have the story correct. You were creating bridesmaids' dresses for your own wedding, and you're like, I'm on to something. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I
1: started, um, I was a, a senior fashion editor, senior fashion and beauty editor. I can't forget that at Cosmopolitan Magazine. Um, I was there for a long, like about eight years, and I had. Always interned my whole life at magazines. Forever wanted to stay in magazines, and then I designed my bridesmaids dresses because in 2010 I couldn't find a dress that I loved, and I wanted the girls to feel. You know, I everything I do is very much like a, a story. You know, a big story. It's an editorial. It's a the dress has to work with the flowers. It has to work with the music, and and just the entire picture. So we, I couldn't find anything that was like beautiful, flowy, sexy, ethereal enough. So I designed my own and then the girls looked so beautiful. Everyone loved them so much. So then I borrowed one of my bridesmaids dresses for her wedding to wear as a guest like two weeks later. And then I fell so in love with this dress that I wanted to make it in different prints, different colors. So I went to Mood Fabrics in the Garment District and just started buying, you know, like discount fabrics, old designer fabrics that they weren't using, whatever I could get my hands on. And then if I didn't love certain colors or whatever, I would hand dye them in the back, in the backyard with my mom's help because she's amazing at hand dyeing. And so I would just start, and then I started selling these dresses at trunk shows out in the Hamptons and it was very word of mouth. And I would, you know, put a few from on consignment into two friend stores and then I would do different like Hamptons events, pop-ups, things like that. So I did that and I rolled everything up into a little, to a bag and I just was selling them basically out of the back of my, I mean, I would keep them in the trunk of my car, bring them to different places. And um, I did that for about, like on the side for about a year and a half, two years before, or two years, I think, before I decided to actually make the decision to leave Cosmo and give it a, a chance and try to start this business. And, um, so I put that together like 2012 and then I launched 2013 when my daughter, wow. Scar- my first daughter, Scarlett was born. Yeah.
0: Oh my God. Bam, bam, bam. A lot happening at once again. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Was the vision for the company a dress company? And did you, how did you describe this so unique aesthetic that is so recognizable today? Romantic, it's feminine, it feels. I think it was always, I
1: mean, this dress was just this beautiful dress that made you feel like a goddess. It was, had a big sweep. I always say your dress is your best dancing partner. You put it on, you could be like, you know, feel salty from the ocean, whatever it may be. You didn't, you know, and you just put this dress on and it just like transformed you. And I always had that feeling. So I wore it, you know, all the time. My friends wore it all the time. It was just like my our uniform it was like, um, you know, and all silk dresses, but I didn't treat them too preciously. So it was like having your best t-shirt, but in a beautiful silk dress that made you feel amazing. So I think that when I was first starting, I actually wanted to do a capsule, it like a small collection of eight to 10 pieces that were just forever your pieces. I would change the different colors prints, but like, you know, I said, okay, so I'll do a long skirt, a little racerback tank. I designed a ruffle mini skirt, which is like the it icon piece still to this day that we have. As um, I also wore like mini skirts all the time. So I had a small little, you know, collection of styles. And then the idea was to just continue, never to have them go out of style, timeless, effortless, easy, um, all elastic waistbands, never a zipper, never. Like I was like, I'm never going to get into this big mess of like, you know, production and making patterns and stuff. And like, you know, crazy, the fashion world that it is. But you know when you st- then i started working with wholesale partners and they're constantly asking you for more more okay can you do this fabric in this style that we have or okay you need to keep evolving can you get more not so resorty can you get more ready to wear can you you know so i mean i think that it really started as this passion project and i really just wanted to have these effortless beautiful pieces that never went out of style and so you know but life kept, I had my daughter, my first daughter, Scarlett. And then I wanted to start even start making little baby clothes, you know, to like match. And then I actually did this collaboration with Gwyneth Paltrow. Luckily enough, when she, it was Goop had just started and she fell in love with the halter dress and the mini skirt. So I did some pieces for her that like helped get the name out there. And, um, and then I started to evolve what, those pieces were by adding in these Victorian styles, which um I've always collected vintage and Victorian and Guardian clothes. And so my dream was to have these like cotton and lace pieces and have those in the mini skirt or in a beautiful long dreamy Victorian dress. Because those, you know, vintage is so delicate. It's they're tiny because they were so small then. Everything falls apart. And so I was like, why can't we make these beautiful vintage-inspired pieces available for real. And so that's how that started. That's when I started to sell to net a and Barney's and to work with our partners in India overseas to help create that. So that was a few, like two years down, but yeah.
0: Two years down. That's interesting. Tell me about, you mentioned the the demands from wholesale partners. Uh, yeah. How many collections are you doing today? D- is this downgraded from maybe at, at your hu- at the height, there were six to eight or something. And also our exclusives, is that something that you're still doing or that they always wanted?
1: Yeah, I mean, we're still doing, so we do four seasons a year. I always did four seasons because you know, we're on the wholesale calendar since the beginning because that's how I started the company. Um, so always wholesale, you know, business. And we've kind of, now we've shifted in terms of like a little more drops that, that we're allowed to do for our own stores and our e-commerce. Also the world shifted and like everyone started dropping. So then we started dropping collection, you know, to keep it more <laughs> exciting. So every two to three weeks, it's still part of, let's say a fall collection, but we'll have many drops within each, you know, so as to not overwhelm the customer. And so, yeah, it was always four times a year. And I sort of began more in the summer, like resort wear, you know, um, seasonality and like collection wise. So, like when we started to sell Bergdorf's, we were in the swim department. Like our buyer at a Porte was always in the swimwear department, resort wear. Um, and so I've worked over the last few years to really start to build out the more ready to wear part of the collection. Like this year, you'll see like the fall collection is amazing. We have beautiful outerwear and knitwear. It's doing so well. Gorgeous tailored pieces, like very much for the all year round, all season, you know, global urban customer, as opposed to just someone going on vacation and packing their Love Shack fancy, which was always like the go-to. But now we wanted to really expand to her every day.
0: Let's talk about the expansion. I mean, you're in home, you're in all the area, this mag, major empire, but also on the note of maybe things you maybe hadn't done in the past or that the shopper may not expect. I was on your site today on the homepage. There's some black suiting. And I'm like, oh black my suiting. God. Yes.
1: And guess what? Black suiting yes. was our number two bestseller last week in stores and online, which is literally amazing and so exciting. And so that's totally new for us, but also the fits are incredible. The fabrics are insane. Like, we worked so hard. And I, you know, and so many of my friends now send me an email, like, you made me a black suit. I was, you know, so there was a lot of time, like, who wants a black suit from Love Shack Fancy? But guess what? They do, because we have so many different customers that are coming into our stores, every age, generation. And I feel like everyone wants to, not everyone, but so many women want to be a part of, of the world of Love, Jack, Fancy. And even, of course, like I, I love pink and ruffles and all these things, but there's so much else that can be, you know, um, interpreted into it. And so that is a very new thing. So the tailoring, the blouses, like our blouse, our beautiful silk Victorian blouse, our Jack blouse was like bestselling last week. So we are really evolving the collection, the design the fabrication and and evolving for all of the different customers. So that's new and exciting.
0: Oh my gosh, you guys are growing. Anything that where you're like, we're never going to do this. Yes. I, mean, I don't know.
1: <laughs> and I'm like, well, who would want that? But, and so then that's so amazing. I mean, it's, you know, I'm working with a really incredible, I have a, a new team of like, ha- like an incredible head of merchandising, head of design, like, you know, that's what really happens when you help when you are able to build a great team that, so I've been trusting them and leaning into, you know, that's not something I would necessarily push, but I am so happy that it's, it's, you know, resonating with our customers and it's actually really working. And I said, of course I would, you know, of course, then we always make the pink suit for me or the pink pant for me or the pink blazer, but, and I don't wear pants and those pants I'm obsessed with and we'll be wearing them all the time. So you know, I think it's just about ways that you can do it, um, just do it in, in, because you can style the black pants with the cool Victorian top or any of our sweaters or, you know, whatever it may be. So it's always just about, you know, building the wardrobe, adding in the key basics as well, and then also having the fun, emotional pieces you know, in
0: addition. Oh my gosh. Well, I, I feel like I know the answer. I was going to say, tell me about the state of the company since the start of the pandemic. We're hearing all of these things, even, I don't want to say post-pandemic, more recently ab- about like ultra high luxury is thriving. Cheap, cheap, fast fashion is thriving. Those that are maybe contemporary, advanced contemporary, affordable luxury. That's kind of the the part, the the category that's Struggling or not figuring and I'm sure it depends on the brand. Mm-hmm. You're are right. you an exception to the rule? What's your experience?
1: Well, well, I think that it's like it's really about understand I mean, we have such a wide range of customers. So for us, like I don't it's honestly she's like walks it. I mean, it's from baby now until like, you know, 80-something year olds women. Like we were really from the baby to the grandmother to the great it's there really is now something for everyone. And so I think that it's hard to, it's difficult, you know, to be able to please the young customer and also her mom and, you know, the sister and like the cool it girl and everyone. But, I, you know, so we've been working really hard at trying to do that so that we don't lose the cult status and this like, you know, love that our our girls who are the Gen Z, millennial, like all these teenagers, 20 something year old, sorority girls, they love it. But like, they actually think it's cool to go and shop with their mom or you know whomever else that's older than them. And so really we just needed to create pieces that were a, that were that were more age appropriate and that were really beautiful quality because I think also for the younger girls they think of Love Shack Fancy as like designer brand for them. And so, and the older might not, we're not a Chanel or Dior by any means, of course, but we want to be able to have the same values and the same, you know, the same beautiful tailoring and the same beautiful attention to detail and fits and silhouettes and fabrics, things like that. So we've really tried, that's what we've really tried to do um, in the last, in the most recent year. So you'll see that coming more and more from us, but definitely I could see that there are was a shift because everyone was just trying over the last few years to figure out what their customer wanted. And so now it's really just understanding all the different types of customers you have. And especially for us, with we now have 17 of our own stores. We were really able to like get in there and see who was converting to sales, who wasn't. Same for you know, our email customer base. Like It's just figuring it out and then shifting as the demands and needs are shifted.
0: Tell me about those 17 stores. They've all open since 2018, yeah? And are more coming soon?
1: Um, So what well, we have, luckily we're like taking a, a deep breath right now. And we haven't opened, I think in the last six months, which has been nice. for a ch- It feels like it's years though, because we were like, go, 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 go. Um, But we have one that's, we're supposed to, it's just delayed and Aspen is like the next one, I don't know if I was supposed to say that, but anyway, it's five People know, I think. Um, but so, and then we opened our first store overseas in London um, in December, which was so exciting. And so that's really great. And then we opened, we had opened 14 since, you know, since 2020. So that's been quite the experience and, um, but really amazing. And we've been able to you know travel all over the country and really understand the different markets and um our customers within those those different locations and the stores are like our our hub, you know, they're like our home away from home. We have the most amazing retail team and um and just and just really like community that is able to go and experience Love Shack Fancy in person, which is so nice. So, I think it's it was always really important for me to be able to I mean, that was always my dream. I never knew I would be able to have that. We opened our first store um, in Sag Harbor, a little store in 2000, was it 15, five years ago? So no, 2018, right? Um, So, and then we opened and then we were like, oh, okay, that was working. We, I mean, I learned so much. I had no idea what I was doing when I opened that store and I was like in there, hands dirty, in the stock room, Didn't know I was doing the buying, I was doing the windows, I was like calling my mom for help, calling friends for help. And so after that, like after we saw the demand, we realized that, okay, wow, like Love Shark Fancy stores really can be a thing. And that's when we started to build the right team to be able to grow
0: that. Tell me about this store experience. It's got all of your categories. Is there something, I don't know, a unique element beyond point of sale? What would you say is different about your stores? Well,
1: when you're walking into our stores, it's really like I feel like you're traveling to a different destination each time and they're very, you know, they're very transportive. They're very, you know, like sensory. You walk in, there's usually flowers on the exterior, flowers on the inside, um, a mix of prints and pinks and, you know, music and really great high energy, like feel good, optimistic Fun. I mean, I want to go and like dance and like have a fun, like shopping girls party, hang out. Like they're just fun and they're also inspiring. And so I think that, you know, for me, I always wanted it to feel like you were going to your best friend's house. You were playing dress up with your girlfriends, your sisters, whoever it may be. And never, I hate when I walk into a store and I feel intimidated or you know, even if I'm not going to buy anything, I want to feel like I can buy, or at least I can try on and I'm comfortable enough to try it on. So that was really important when we were opening our stores because at the time, and I think it probably still is, it was very like minimal cold, like, you know, sort of severe and intimidating retail environments. And so for me, I always wanted it to not feel that way. So hopefully that's how everyone does feel when they walk
0: in. I feel like we need a story on this. We just had totally different brand, different vibe, sporty and rich. Emily Oberg was on and she's like, that was a big thing with my associates. We are not going to intimidate people. Oh yeah. Right on girl. Yeah. Women. (laughs) I'm, I hear you. That that's really important. Tell me about pink. (laughs) You mentioned pink Barbie cores booming. Like has this had, is there a Barbie effect on the brand? Um
1: Yes, well, I love that Amy Astley wrote. She said before there was Barbie core, there was Love Shack fancy, and she's like, Rebecca, use it as much as you want. I was like, I will, um but you know, yeah, pink Barbie I mean yes, that's thank gosh for Barbie that's making pink. I mean, hopefully pink doesn't go out of style anytime soon. There was an article on it though in New York Times saying like, oh, there's gonna be a backlash, but you can get your black suit too, so it's yeah. fine, you can have it all. <laughs> Um, But I mean, I think pink is just, you know, it makes you feel good. And it is, again, it's fun. It's optimistic. It's exuberant. It's just like, you know, it is like a way of life, really. So, I mean, I have always loved pink. I never was like covered in pink my entire life. But when I had two daughters, I, I was like surrounded much more by pink, by flowers, by all this like fairy to everything, you know, and sort of went back into that. So it kind of brings that, it's like all the bows, all the hearts, the unicorns, the everything girly and fun, nostalgic um, that I loved when I was young. And then also I felt like, why does it just have to be for like young girls? Why can't like adults also, you know, love this and sort of, you know, lean into it as well in their own way. So I think that, and I think that's what Barbie is doing in a smart, cool, own it, wear pink, feel, be confident, be a powerhouse, um, you know, and not just in this like, oh, I'm a, I'm a girly girl, pinky, da-da-da, but I'm not smart and I can't do anything. No, you can do everything and still wear pink is kind of the mentality and sensibility
0: I feel. Well, if you don't want to wear pink, or the black suit, you can buy into, I don't know, your collaboration. I have to talk oh, collaborations. Yeah. Yes. How often are you doing them? Um, and Gap came along, uh, this was two years in the making, probably. Yes. Oh my God. And it sold out. out.
1: It (laughs) sold out. Yeah. in like minutes, they just did a little restock though. They keep on adding some things, which is great. And they just launched in the UK. I saw in Japan, it's going, it's global. Like the, the partners are continuing. So that was super exciting and really, you know, absolutely iconic and fun to do to mix like our icons with theirs and just these like wardrobe staples that I feel, um, you know, they needed like a little, again, like a little bit of that Love Shack Fancy Touch, which is what we what we worked closely with them to create. And collaborations, I mean, we do several a year, some much bigger than the others. Like, you know, some of the bigger ones, American Girl, which was so incredible and is still in the American Girl stores, which I love. Target, which was, um Target was the biggest of the, like in the beginning, you know, Gap, I would say is the biggest collaboration we've done. Target was the first one that was the most mainstream, which came out, that was 2020. So that was a difficult time because couldn't really go into stores. It was mostly online. Um, And, but girls really, you know, it was just a dress collaboration. Floral dress is really easy. They did three female founders and we were, myself was one of them. And, um, And so that was really exciting. And then we do different, all different ones. We've done Superga for years. Um, we have done, um, Bogner ski, which is really great. We've, and we continue to do them when they are successful. We try to continue to do it because we're able to reach different customers and we're able to create different, you know, categories that were, you know, we're not experts in the ski market, for example. We're, so, you know, I think it's really exciting and we have a lot more, a few more coming up this year that are different for us too, um. But it allows us, you know, oh, we did our Bronco, which we've been driving all summer, vintage Ford Bronco, which is amazing. So a little, you know, getting into different lifestyle, hopefully, you know, they'll be all different. Like, I mean, it really is very much thinking outside the box and being able to sort of take the Love Shack fancy, you know, iconic prints, colors, sensibility, and bring it to life with different, all different kinds of categories and different price points and markets.
0: Have you dabbled in beauty or had you prior to launching your own brand with a collaboration or did you have any? I know. It's
1: actually funny. We didn't, beauty is like the one thing we never really did. We did a small collaboration with Erin Lauder for like a few years ago. That was um, a hair, like with the hair mist, a little scrunchie, uh, like a special unique print we created for her. Um, But that was really it, honestly. And I I mean, I don't know why, but we that we haven't done anything else beauty wise. So hopefully we will start to do more as we start to expand beauty as well. But, um, you know, I think it's a fun, it's a whole new category and a whole new world for us that definitely felt very organic because of flowers for sure for fragrance and so much a part of the brand DNA like since the beginning. So um, and our girls are Gen Z, you know, they're obsessed with beauty and with fragrance, especially to begin with. So um, that will be really exciting and a whole new, open up a whole new world for sure.
0: I liked your approach. i read that you didn't, you know, do you didn't go by license, licensing. You hired right. an in-house expert to really lead the charge, kind of proving you believe in this enough to invest in it. Um, yeah. Is that kind of a How would you say that relates to kind of your approach to your internal team to date? Um, Is it a team of experts? Are you like hiring slow? Um, Anyway, your hiring process, your team. Yeah.
1: I mean, I would say, well, my team is my everything. I mean, for sure. This is a new approach. This is something that looking back and seeing what if i could have looked back 5 years ago 6 years ago before we opened stores before i would have i mean i don't think we had the means necessarily at that time to be able to hire all of these experts and an incredible mostly female um, leaders in their specific fields within fashion and beauty, but we really wanted to do this because we didn't want to take the licensing route. We wanted to make it feel very organic, authentic to Love Shack Fancy and to our beliefs and to really, I am like when I believe in something and I'm doing it, I need to be like a million percent behind it. Uh, And like, it needs to feel so true to me. So I think this was really our way and our ability to enter into the beauty world by doing it our own way and connecting to our customers that way. So, you know, it's, we have one um, GM of beauty and so she is sort of leading us. And then we, are we you know, we worked um, and found incredible noses and um, we're working with like a really amazing team and we're partnering also, we're launching in Sephora's, which is going to be so exciting. And then the rest of the team that, I mean, we've, in the most i would say the last year i mean even more specific like yeah at least the last year we've really been able to build a really incredible senior team of um of just really talented uh, directors, you know, that can help me to lead the company because as we've expanded, I obviously can't do it on my own. And I really need to be able to lean into that support and to um, their expertise and their experiences. And so it's very much like interpreting my vision and then saying, okay, well, Rebecca, I really think we need to evolve this and like, you know, coming together and moving forward that way. Um, so luckily I've been able to, to find some really incredible people and the more it's, and that's definitely a more recent thing during, expan- like during yeah, this period amazing. of like expansion. So otherwise I'd be like, it, it just wouldn't be able to, you know, to work at this point. So I think, you know, it's definitely, I'm so grateful to be able to have such a, a amazing team that I trust and for them to lead their own departments and then I can help sort of oversee the big picture.
0: Well, wrapping up, tell me a little bit more about, for the fragrance in particular, you're doing an event, you're doing a lot around it uh, to get it off the ground. Your typical kind of marketing mix, you're on all the social channels, Is that kind of where a large majority of your efforts are focused, would you say, on the marketing front?
1: Yeah, on the marketing front, definitely. We always look to social media for sure, you know, across Instagram, TikTok. um, Like TikTok has been – it will definitely be very important for fragrance. I know it's a huge – you know, especially like with Sephora and with all the UGC content. So hopefully we get, you know, good reviews and good feedback. It's hard to do it without having the product out there though. So the product, you know, that launches, I think it's September, the first week of September, September 6th um, with Sephora online. And then also, then it goes the following week into their stores and into our stores and online. But yes, definitely working, you know, in terms of social media for that and in terms of, and then also in our retail stores um, and getting everything there, um, you know, getting, getting everyone into our stores, into their stores and really being able to like be immersed again into that world of Love Shack Fancy and the world of fragrance and, Beauty now as well.
0: Right on. Well, what would you say is your secret to longevity? <laughs> oh my <laughs> ten god, ten years like in my pers-
1: Oh my my. I'm like my personal. I'm like it's a boss <laughs> identity at the end of the day. Um, I mean, the secret to longevity is just uh, constantly staying, you know, current and evolving, and staying and like listening and speaking to our customers and the community and the our. I mean it's like the Love Shack fancy fans it's like this big family of everyone so I stay so close to them through social media I read every comment DM message you know we I talk to them every store I'm in I like I really rely on on our customers to give me you know the feedback of everything that they're responding to that they want that they want to see like we just did our anniversary prints and we created we brought back some of our best selling prints based on what our customers were wanting to see again. So, you know, I think really listening to them, growing with them and and like, you know, kind of living, breathing like and and experiencing this Love Shack fancy worlds with them is just so important.
0: That's amazing. What what would you say is your biggest Challenge, keeping you up at night, weighing on your mind, um, up. <laughs> I
1: mean, everything. I mean, you're never – when it's your own business, you're never not thinking about anything that's coming up or next. You know, I mean, it's always like week by week, of course. But, I mean, I think that – I think it's really just – again, is like staying, like making sure that everything for me is being overseen by all the different, all of my like palace guards, right. That I have working for me and like my leaders in every department to make sure that they're communicating. It's like the communication I think is just sometimes, you know, it's the most important thing amongst everyone who is helping to run your business alongside you. So I think really making sure that everyone is aligned is what I'm like, oh, okay, is design speaking to marketing? Are they speaking to retail? Are they getting this? You know, it's like all the different, all the different departments, making sure everything is in unison. Everyone's telling the same story and everyone is, has the same like beliefs. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much like what I'm constantly, cause I'm thinking about all of it. I'm like the, you know, the top of the, the, That. So I'm thinking about all of it, making sure that I communicated everything to certain people that I did to others and that they're also communicating.
0: That makes sense. And last question for me Um, I mean, this day and age when everything is so ah, like, who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? But do you have specific plans around um, goals for the maybe the next 12 months? Uh, I read somewhere that. Oh, they estimated that your business had grown doubled the size and in, in the last two years. Like, is it all about like growth numbers? Is it about like what? What are your goals?
1: I mean, no, not for me. I don't ever think in numbers. I don't. I'm like so bad with the numbers. So don't ask me anything. But no, for me, I mean, it's just like I love to. You know, I love the challenge of something new, and I love um, building. In terms of, I'm very much. More of like the creative, marketing, storyteller. Um, so for me, it's constantly engaging with like all the new customers and just the growth of that. So obviously this year ahead is going to be a huge change in terms of like beauty and the world of that. That's going to be so exciting and new. And as we start to develop that even more, um you know go into new categories really understanding the mix of like where fashion and beauty come together because i think that that's like very unique in terms of what we're able to offer and that point of view and then also you know experiential wise like through events and through um different retail activations and really using our stores as as places um you know for groups of friends women girls like everyone to come together and have you know, all different, all different parties. It's going to be fragrance parties now. It's going to be shopping parties. It's going to be, you know, I want to be build out programs where you can really have like, you know, your bridal shower or you can do things like that. So I'm very much in the experiential lifestyle. That's where my brain goes. Like, um, so for me, that's I'm excited about that. Maybe one day we'll have a Love Shack Fancy hotel, maybe a restaurant, you know, you never know. Like the other day we did, what do you think's coming next for Love Shack Fancy? Cause they didn't, our customer, our audience didn't know that it was. And I loved seeing everything that our, they wrote. Oh, they definitely want wine. They definitely want like champagne, like that kind of thing. They, hotels, restaurants. I mean, so you never know. Like it's just all exciting and fun. And sometimes the more unexpected, the better and just like really different and thinking outside the box and, you know, always exciting. So that's kind of, that's where, that's where my mind is. It's never, I, I never think in, in numbers. So it starts from the heart and hopefully, hopefully translates into um, a good business model.
0: We for, need for this <laughs> restaurant. Yeah, yeah, I, I I'm, yeah. I'm inspired. That sounds yeah. so good. I mean, because it is, you said the word from the heart, like you, I mean, like probably it's just a natural, you know, the vibe, like you could put out a wine and it would just so be perfect, perfectly Fit the brand. Your role within the company—it's—it's it's here to stay. You're not going anywhere at any time. Like no plans to sell. You're sticking around. Yes. Yes.
1: Yes. Oh my gosh, my daughter is ready. My ten-year-old is like all these ideas. Love Shack, fancy. Be-. I mean, it's like my house is—it's—it's. It's, there's very little difference, you know, separation between my, you know, personal and business for us. It's like I live, breathe, eat, sleep it. So. Um, and my daughters are, you know, it's just a whole fun. It's really authentic. There is not like I turn work on, I turn it off. It's always, I'm always thinking and, you know, getting inspired, brainstorming, asking my daughters, their friends, our friends, there's it's constant conversations. And it's definitely like a living, breathing, like it's just very much one, one big, like love shack fancy world. So it really is a true, like, authentic, like what you see is what you get. It really is how it is. It's not just a idea or, um, you know, this, this something I had in my mind that I like place out there to sell. It's very much like how, how I do live and how then I'm able to create that world and that lifestyle at different price points. Oh, and we have, I forgot about Pottery Barn too, like Pottery Barn Teen, Pottery Barn Girls. So that's like, we're continuing to do that. Um, you know, so it's really about just figuring out different ways to offer price points, um, ages, everything to all different customers and, and kind of that's where we are now. So hopefully we can continue to do that and evolve in that way, which is, which is exciting to be able to still, you know, also with these bigger companies that can do much, much more competitive pricing. So for all different customers.
0: Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm excited to watch you build out this dream world and to see your other collaborations and what you do with beauty. It's such an exciting time for the brand. Rebecca, thanks for making time for me with all this excitement going on.
1: Amazing. Thank you so much for having me.
0: That's all for this episode. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. If you liked this episode, be sure to share it with someone else you think would. Thanks for listening to the Glossy Podcast.